on another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast. Do, 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 do. We're talking about Suzume. This movie is still in theaters, and we are excited to talk about all our thoughts on it. Right up these ads, we have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. Animation deliberation. Accomplished. No, can't can't do it. All right. A one, two, three. It's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhair Ali. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I am Andrew Rogers. And since the first time we heard the trailer for this movie, this song has been stuck in our heads. As you can see, that has not worn off. We were excited about how it was played in the movie, during the credits, on our phones every day. I go to bed to the lo-fi version every night. Incredible music, incredible <laughs> movie. I'm excited to talk about it. How did you guys like just quick thoughts on the movie Suzume before I drop some facts on you? Andrew, take the wheel. I've had the opportunity to give my brief thoughts previously, so by all means. It's a fantastic movie. Go see it. I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the plain and simple way that I want to say this. I knew nothing going in it. I'm sure my two co-hosts are gonna talk the same because the trailer like gives you none of what this story is. So feel free to watch the trailer. If you just want to go see a pretty movie with great music, great sound, and characters that you're going to fall in love with, this is it. That's the best that I can give spoiler-free because like, you just will fall in love with this mundane world because it's normal Japan with some small tweaks in there. But besides that, it's just taking the everyday world and showing you the beauty of people, the beauty of a world that you can explore, and so much more about it. So... I had an astounding time. I absolutely adored it. And yeah, I want to say more, but that's where I'll cut myself off for spoiler free section. But if for some reason you're listening, trying to gauge, oh, will this be good or not? It's a great film. Like hands down, go see it. It's one of the best films that I've seen in the past few months, for sure. I'm going to address that after J. Scotty's done. Well, with that... (laughs) with that going before us like where do i even go but um no i will just echo those sentiments i will say the visual treat that this film is is worth the price of admission alone like i saw this thing in uh laser imax at amc and mm-hmm. yeah wow the colors the fidelity the journey it takes you on is an emotional one and a satisfying one so i wholeheartedly agree go see this thing i mean if you're one of the few people that or fans of animation that have not seen this thing yet. So what Andrew said triggered me a little bit just because there's been a lot of these conversations going on with just movies lately of for the people who don't go like I go to Marvel and DC movies specifically like as soon as possible. And it's becoming movies in general Because I want to form my own opinion before anybody has the opportunity to taint it. Sure. And I feel like, okay, so maybe the theater cult, like going to the theater culture is going down. But it's been bothering me, whether you're a diehard movie fan or not, how many people have been like, what did you think about it? I've heard this. Give me a grade on it. Do I need to know this before I do it? It's like, go watch the fucking movie and find out for yourself. Like, I feel like this art of just 
being intrigued with something and then finding the opportunity to engage with it is just really, really dying down. And it bums me out a lot. Yeah. Well, I just want to ask the question because I kind of agree it's dying down, but I, I don't know the reason why, because I don't know necessarily about either of you. And I'm very curious because all three of us are living in very different locations. Mm-hmm. My theater was packed like to the brim people in the front rows where you don't usually see them on that opening night. Like people were there for this movie. It was an all out and the energy was great. Everyone was there to have a good time. So is the theater culture dying out or is it the way that we talk about it? And I'm not trying to argue the point. I'm just curious. Did you guys have a similar experience in your theater? Cause my theater was great. Mine was, Mine felt like a matinee showing, even though multiple theaters were used for this movie, but my theater only has one IMAX one. Mm-hmm. So the IMAX one wasn't that full, but when I posted that I went to see it, a lot of people texted or commented saying that they were looking forward to go watch it. So attendance isn't my issue as much as the willingness to watch things or the necessity to know as much as possible before going into it. I don't know if the MCU has done this with people needing to know comic book stuff to fully get it, but like even episodes of Demon Slayer, it's like, I'll send a snap of like the opener saying, Hey, like, all right, you know, time for a new episode. And people are like, what was your grade on it? What did you think of it? It's like, why can't we talk about it after you've seen it? Like, why can't you form your opinion and know what you thought about said movie or show or book or food or whatever and come up with this stuff as opposed to like, I need to know not to watch it beforehand. Like, is it really the worst thing in the world to like go into a movie and it just not be your cup of tea? Yeah. People are busy, man. Yeah, I feel like I have two things to address here. So I'm going to start with what Andrew brought up about my theater experience. Now, bear in mind, I did see this on a Monday night, so I can only imagine what it had been, what it would have been like if I had seen it on a Friday, Saturday, or even Sunday. But for a Monday night showing, it was pretty substantially, you know, people showed up for it. And I don't know if they were, you know, interacting with what was happening on the screen, like, you know, in a, a very noticeable way but it seemed like everybody was kind of enraptured with what was happening and really enjoyed it so especially for a monday and again my i think my theater has two imax screens so the fact that they allocated at least one of those to this movie i think speaks to the level of attention that this movie had on it and kind of the fervor that was there for it regarding this whole other conversation about the movie going experience and whether or not people are really showing up the way that they used to. I think there's a lot of factors to take into consideration. Like I do think movie attendance as a whole since COVID is still recovering, but from some of the other like YouTube shows that I watch and podcasts that I listen to, I know this last weekend was actually one of the better weekends for movie attendance. It's actually when they compare it back to like what numbers looked like from like 2016 to 2019 or 2015 to 2019 on average, this was a better weekend for this time of year than what we were seeing during that time. So as far as whether or not people want to go see something before they've had a chance to hear the word of mouth or reviews or anything like that, I think that is a side effect of 
social media and the internet. Like as great as it is to become more connected and have everybody be able to give their two cents. And like, you know, we are all living in different parts of the country, but we're able to talk about this stuff and connect. Like, unfortunately that does have, you know, negative side effects as well. And when everybody, I I won't say everybody, but when everybody is able to put their opinion out there, it's like almost like everybody's a reviewer. And I do think it's just a sign of how much content is really out there between all the streaming services. Like I I'm signed up to it. I'm signed up for at least five streaming services off the top Mm -hmm. of my head. So when it comes to like, am I going to see something in, in theaters? I am a big advocate for going to see things on the big screen. And I'm like, use your hair. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to know a lot. I have a few trusted reviewers that I might listen to like non-spoiler thoughts or like a quick headline just to get an idea of what they thought. But for the most part, I like to go in blind, especially for stuff I'm really anticipating. So it's it's kind of a catch-22. It's, it's the world that we live in now. People are yeah. more connected than ever and people can get opinions whether they want them or not are so available yeah and i I apologize to the listener that i started it off this way because this is a movie that i was very excited for it's one that i'm very excited to talk about but like going to the movies and watching shows is like it's it's a very important part of my life because you know dealing with depression and anxiety and things of that sort like sitting down for a movie that i've never seen before or a show like that experience of turning my brain on brain off and getting lost in whatever I'm consuming is like super important to me. So it's like the fact that I guess people don't share that because I like, I'm pride. I take pride in the fact that when someone asks me about a movie, I can keep it like as spoiler free as possible. And like, I try to ask questions about shows to like, make sure, cause I'm just trying to be considerate to make sure that people who want the experience, like get the full experience. Mm-hmm. So it like, it it just it bothers me that like it's coming to this when we could have conversations about like this is what I felt about it, this is what I saw, this is what I heard to this is what this person said, so I didn't watch it because of that, and this actor did this, so I'm not interested in this and that anymore. Like th- th- there's a magic with film and TV that I I feel like is just very underappreciated lately so apologies Mm. but that was just something that i'm super passionate about i'm very sleep deprived right now too so i got (laughs) triggered much quicker than i intended to (laughs) well guess what sir you now have your platform where you can give this positive outlook that you would hope that others could give to you so i know because i've heard a little bit of this lay it on us what did you think of the movies who hair because i think you were the driving force behind this conversation when it's yeah started. speaking of positive outlook if you guys want to give us a positive outlook and leave a five-star review that would be great it helps the show it helps us feel good about ourselves so yeah please take a moment to do that uh, and also go to strandandpanda.com to show love to the other shows that talk about other things that people are passionate about in fandom i absolutely love this movie <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. The sound, I I went in for that particular song and just the beautiful animation, but the sound design like captured me more than anything else. I think that's what really like threw me off because I was, I had high bars for the other things. I had never watched a Makoto Shinkai movie before this trailer dropped. So I had only seen your name before this because 
again, people share too much information and said that this movie may be connected and yada yada. And I'm just kind of like, now I went in with these perceptions of anyways, I did go in with a high bar. I felt like it met that bar. I can't wait to watch it again. I had a wonderful time watching it. And apparently we aren't the only ones that enjoyed it as much as we did because Makoto Shinkai Suzume has surpassed Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, becoming the 15th highest grossing film of all time in Japan. It is also the ninth highest grossing anime film of all time in Japan. So we love Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. So congratulations to them for having that much hype behind them. Yeah, those are some impressive numbers. So good on you, Makoto Shinkai and Susume. I'm glad to hear that it's resonating and, and generating so much positive buzz and, and business despite whatever naysayers may be out there. I've been free from that that realm, I guess, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think it's also the fact that it is not only in Japan, but outside of Japan, it is doing su- successful. Like, unfortunately, that is one of the metrics that we have to measure by because it is, you know, meant for a Japanese audience. Mm-hmm. This is, however, number one in terms of the highest selling anime film of all time in both China and Korea. Woo! So they have done a fantastic job in the Asian market, but then coming over to the uh, US market, they still earned uh, around 5 million opening weekend. And we're number two across the box office the entire weekend that it came out, which for an anime okay. film to be even cracking up into those numbers, I'm not sure what beat it out that first weekend, but I will say it was just totally up there. Is this the worldwide box office or domestic? I think that was just domestic. Um, oh, it had, to be, it had to be the Super Mario Brothers then. That thing is still... Oh, yeah, obviously, that's the other animated thing. So animation's taking over, which is really cool. But yeah, it's it's super successful all over the place. And I'm ready to talk about specifically why. I don't know if any of you have any more spoiler-free thoughts to say. One quick thing I want to address is, Zuhair, you mentioned how you hadn't seen anything from Makoto Shinkai prior to this trailer. And I hadn't seen anything either but after seeing this movie i enjoyed this movie so much that i have gone just in this weekend i watched both your name which i had always heard the best things about but was fortunate enough to have avoided all spoilers whatsoever and then i also watched weathering with you and i kind of touched on it when we did our, our brief thoughts there but i am grateful for the viewing experience that i had because again without spoiling anything i think makoto shinkai kind of has a niche like he has these things that he really he likes. He likes setting things in like a modern, seemingly normal normal world with some supernatural elements and mythology. He likes to have, you know, characters that are in a kind of star-crossed lovers is the best best way I'll describe it. And the man likes his product placement as well because <laughs> we got a whole sequence with McDonald's. Like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's all I got <laughs> in terms of non-spoiler. Yeah, I I don't think I can add too much to that. That's non-spoilery because I noticed a theme with how the movies end. Do, do you see where I'm going with this without saying too much? 
I I think so. I don't know if you're talking about on a deeper level. Like I could, I could take it both ways. I could take it very literally, and I think visually like, just the okay the title cards or the like in title card, right? Okay, yeah. I'm just not okay. going to say too much then. Okay, all right. Sorry. It's just the, <laughs> I was the about way to say you're losing thing... those of us that haven't seen the movies. Yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> the, sure. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things I don't want to say too much. Just the yeah. way that things are paced and placed. Mm are very intriguing and very consistent. And it's something that I just really want to look out for more with more movies that I'm going to watch by him. Cause I still need to see weathering with you, but there was enough comparisons between your name and Suzume that I was like, Oh, this has to be like his thing, right? It's, this is his signature right here. It has to be. So mm. once I watch weathering with you, I will confirm if, if he does indeed have a signature. Hmm. All right, before we go on to all of our spoiler talk of what we thought about this, I want to take a moment to talk about our favorite portable blender. The Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruits with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Last for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend with the drop-up soap and you are good to go. Though I will say I do not advise using the Blendjet in the theater, as incredible as that would be. <laughs> yeah. AMC has that whole thing like, don't talk, don't text, don't, don't blend, blend, don't ruin the movie. <laughs> But in this case, if you're not in the theater, do blend. Do all your blending pretty much everywhere else except for the theater. <laughs> yes, because it would be disruptive in a theater, but it is not disruptive in most other walks of life. Honestly, can do it at any time of day. Like I, We had a blender in our kitchen that I had to be like, all right, I can't use this you know, before 8 a.m. or like after 8 p.m. because I'm going to wake the neighbors. They have a small kid. It's just, I don't want to be the bothersome one. Since I have gotten this blend yet, I don't care. Wake up in the morning, hit that button, <laughs> blend up whatever I want. I do not care. Like it is so nice, so quiet, so convenient, like absolutely fantastic when it comes to being a small, quiet, portable blender that is still powerful enough that I have not found anything that I can't blend that I want to blend. I don't think I'm doing that difficult of stuff. We're not about to bring back Will It Blend, but, you know, it'll still take care of what I need it to. Yeah. Zuhair, cue the Professor Farnsworth, if you will. Who? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Professor Farnsworth, the uh, Futurama. Good news, everyone. Oh, oh my gosh, got his name. Good news, everyone. <laughs> Blinjet 2 just got even better. The Orbiter drinking lid balances a leak-proof design with one-hand use convenience and a modern minimalist design. So you'll be safe from spills whether you're sipping a smoothie or on your way to work. Sipping a smoothie on your way to work or drinking a protein shake on the treadmill. Blend anywhere without spilling everywhere. I'm so sorry I ruined your bit. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I thought in my head... Huh? <laughs> I thought in my head from the the scene of My Hero Academia where uh, Kamui Woods thought he had everybody and then Warp Gate started like taking them all out. He's like, I'm sorry. Uh, that's <laughs> I, all good. I was like, oh no, I just, I ruined everything. No, you're, you're good. 
You're good. But what doesn't ruin everything is just how convenient this blender is. It's spill-proof, and this lid makes everything so much better, uh, especially for when you're taking the drinks out, being able to sip out of it or stick a straw in. It's super convenient. I love it as part of my everyday life. You know, one of the advantages to seeing Suzume on the big screen with laser IMAX is the sheer number of colors I was able to see at one point in time. And it's got nothing on blend yet. The sheer number of colors and patterns you can choose from is mind boggling. We're talking about over 30 plus colors and patterns, including a whole line from Pixar so that you can blend while showing your fandom and your individuality. Yes. I mean, there's nothing more that we can say outside of, you know, just go for yourself. So what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code staywhelmed12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code STAYWHELMED12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. All right. Now on to spoiler talk of Suzume. We talked about not only did we go into this movie without knowing anything about it, but how much we appreciate going to movies without knowing anything about it. It definitely is a lost art and everything that I have watched, all two things of Makoto Shinkai have been incredible in just going in blind. I did not know what the story was going to be about. So when we had this opening sequence of trying to shut this door and we have our character Suzume taking Sota to her place to patch him up and everything. And we see Daijin for the first time on the windowsill and she says you are in my way and he just disappears i cannot tell you how my heart just stopped because i didn't know what was happening this chair was not in the trailers at all there was no indication of like what was going to happen it was just a shock in the moment of oh my god this man turned into a chair but i was genuinely like where did he go what happened to him like what what is this dark kitty doing like i know they're all evil but like what is happening right now so yeah. like that sheer shock factor of not knowing what this plot was going to be about despite watching the trailer as many times as i did before the theaters was just such an incredible experience because i was just over i know i tell you guys to stay well but i was definitely overwhelmed with just the excitement of like literally not knowing what was coming next and what the direction was and where this was going this movie was so much fun yeah yeah yeah, no, I mean, I just want to stop and talk about that cold open because it was exactly that a stone cold open. I expect this movie is going to ramp up. It's going to have a little time where we figure out the world and figure out what's going on within the first 10 minutes. You are slapped in the face with the door and the worm and everything else that like is basically the crux of what the story is going to be built on. And then they hit you with an old school classic title card right at the end of that to be like, all right this is like we're setting the bar here it is absolutely a, like you said a lost art in terms of opening a story telling you telling you pretty much everything you need to know about these characters aside from a little bit of backstory out the gate and just drawing you in immediately i was 
hooked from that first little bit and then it just cascaded down into everything you talked about with the chair and the characters and the cat and then just the rest of the movie but yeah i wanted to just say that opener is one of the best openers that has happened in a while in terms of saying you don't need to know anything else except for this yeah and that's one of the things i appreciate about the film is like it's such an appropriate title call to call it Suzume because she is the protagonist, but we as the audience, like we only know as much as Suzume knows this entire movie. It's not spelled mm-hmm. out for you. You don't get this lore explained via narration at the beginning of the movie. You yeah. were just along for this ride, just like Suzume is. But I did want to address the chair because that was one of those things from the ta- uh, the trailer that stuck out to me. I was like, what is this three-legged chair that's like <laughs> running around on the road? Like it really just stuck out to yes. me. So as soon as I saw the chair, I was like, okay, what's going on with this chair? What is the significance of this chair? And uh, it ended up being one of my favorite parts of the movie when Suta, Suta, Suta was uh, morphed into this chair and just like how they were able to create such high-octane action with a chair, like he was running, yeah. jumping, kicking, like as a three-legged <laughs> chair. It was awesome. But uh, I did want to address the the whole closing of the door. Like I actually did a little bit of research to see what that was all about. And I guess it was actually homage to a Shinto tradition. Like when they go to build a new building, they pray on the foundation. So that whole prayer that they would say about like, we return these spirits to you and and they go to that's what makes the keyhole appear and that's how they're able to lock the door that actually comes from that shinto tradition over like blessing a construction site and the, and the foundation that will be so obviously you know a very deep movie in, in all regards in terms of like the sci-fi trap time travel elements to the the coming of age and the the relationships we see not only between Susume and Suta but also her aunt and yeah and pretty much everybody she comes in contact with yeah, yeah and you talk a about lot of universe building in such a short amount of time like you genuinely care about each character and the relationships and how they know each other it's like we feel like we've known them their whole lives by the time this movie's done yeah you stole the words out of my mouth it's all of these side characters and added characters like Sarazawa does not come in until basically the third act and mm-hmm. he's one of my favorite characters coming out of the film because there was just so much enjoyment and depth that came out of it and then the karaoke bar we see oh, them yeah. for maybe 15 minutes of the movie and that karaoke bar scene is just ingrained in my head there's just there's a magic to the way that you can create characters that you grasp onto so quickly in the fact of also we saw soda in his or suta rather in his human form for 10 minutes and i'm Maybe. in love with i'm in love with the chair through the entire center <laughs> section of the movie just how emotive yeah. they were able to make this chair like i joked at the end this is a beauty and the beast thing i liked him better as the chair he should have stayed <laughs> he was more fun that way but yeah it's uh, yeah you made me fall in love with the chair like i joked with my partner Monica that we should get a three legged chair and take it around Japan with us when we go in the fall and just start taking pictures at random stops with a chair and be like, we're doing the thing. This chair is going everywhere with us. Oh man. Your dialogue about loving the chair makes three legged jokes a lot worse. 
<laughs> but yeah. that chair is also what I was referring to when I said that I absolutely love the sound design. I'm so happy that we got mm. to experience this yes. movie in IMAX because all the tick, 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 like mm-hmm. as he's going down different materials, whether it's the road or the Ferris wheel or it doesn't matter what it was, like that echoes and the clicking and the precision of it and like you hear so much just in terms of like background noise and everything, but just the way that they designed that specifically too was just so much detail. It was amazing. Yeah, there was something very tactile and satisfying about it. So I, I feel like we've given a ton of love to the chair, and I, I do love the chair. But another <laughs> character I found myself like very very drawn to was Daijin, the the cat that was the okay. keystone that became the cat, and like going from like oh so cute to like i hate this cat like i was right there with susume the whole way and then you see how dejected daijin becomes like susume doesn't love me anymore he gets all scrawny again and beat up and to have once susume returns her affection for them they they bounce back and then the ultimate sacrifice at the end there to return to the keystone so that you know suta can come back like i it was an emotional roller coaster. We talk about the Ferris wheel, but that was like such a roller coaster of like what <laughs> questioning, what are these, this like cat God keystones motivations and yeah. just one of the best parts of the movie for me. Um, you did bring up Sarazawa and I, I did want to address, like I, I love the character of Sarazawa, but if I had any criticism against this film, it might be with some of the pacing towards the like last third of the movie. And I think I talked about this on our previous conversation, but I did feel just the way the story was structured. We lost a little bit of momentum there for about 20 to sure. 25 minutes during the road trip sequence. And I, I, I still love the road trip sequence, but I did feel like the momentum was like so building up so rapidly and then it kind of just like slowed down. Okay. We're going to do this like cross country road trip with mm. laughs. And I think the standout from that whole sequence was when Susume and her her aunt had that like exchange where mm. the the black cat I, I think Sindaijin I, I believe that I, I would have liked more from Sindaijin I wanted to know what the story yeah. was there but just that whole moment of like possession where she, like those emotions that she felt about having had her life kind of like robbed in terms of being a single attractive woman but having to take care and, and become a mother like that was really palpable and and gripping stuff yeah as fun as it was listening to sarazawa sing to everyone else's displeasure (laughs) i I agree that once the once the 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 black cat came in it seemed like things were getting a little crammed because we started this movie at 9 30 at night so it's like we kind of had those those phases of like i'm getting a little tired now like when is this going to pick back up and it's one of those things where it's like, I wouldn't want to change a single thing about this movie because it was so good. But because you brought it up, like, yeah, I could see where the pacing just could have been a little more balanced out. The uh, before I get to that part, I think Daijin needs to be adopted by Haganazuka because their lack of communication is just on par with each other. We just finished our <laughs> Demon Slayer episodes and... Yeah, like this movie could have been so much shorter if Daijin just explained like why she wanted to play with Suzume and what playing with Suzume entailed. And the fact that like, are you a bad cat? Are you not a bad cat? Like what? What's what's your game here, cat? Because it's very confusing. A lot of I don't think there was ever a moment where. Yeah, right. (laughs) 
there there was never a moment where I felt like this movie was getting predictable because I had no idea right. what direction it was heading in. And in terms of like the road trip stuff, like we did before the car stuff, we did got to see a lot in the ferry and in the trains. And even though this was fully animated, like I felt like we as an American audience really got to tour Japan like while we were watching that. Mm. Like the fact that she was talking, like we got to see like on the maps on her phone, which her phone has a credible battery life. <laughs> on what she plugged it in she- multiple times, <laughs> in which places she was in, and the fact that she was so upset that she fell asleep during the time when they were passing Mount Fiji, and I was like, you know what, I get that. Like I would be upset about that too. And yeah. getting to see these different cities and just the different culture and the different lifestyle, and her, we saw this in your name a little bit too, of just kind of like. A- seeing bigger cities for the first time and the shock factor and how do I use bullet trains and like just this the small story just becoming so big for somebody was just I, I felt like a tourist in the moment and really enjoyed like her adventure just she was forced into this but it was a beautiful thing that she got to like experience out of it yeah and I mean I, I did joke oh she plugged her phone in a few times I will say that was one of the beautiful things about the film was the attention to detail that I mm-hmm. noticed little things like oh she's got her phone plugged in that makes yeah. sense that's gonna you like see the battery later. life on the top right yeah you could see the battery life and it was changing and like he was using Spotify to play the music and you know the car had different little quirks to it that were always there it was just <laughs> the the movie had so much detail going into it but um my one big note yeah, the convertible did work. The one big note, we can't talk about, you know, the subversion of expectations. We can't talk about the sound design without talking about one big thing, and that is the worm. Oh mm. my god. I got horror notes the first time the worm was on screen, yeah. and just the deep bellowing pipe organ, or I can't even necessarily put my finger on what wood instrument would have made that but it was just so deep and so guttural and so just literally earth moving sounding the way that they designed all of it around it hats off to the sound design team. But then, you know, it wouldn't be me on a podcast and it wouldn't be this movie. If we didn't talk about the music, uh, I believe it's rad wimps is the group that did all of the music. Oh my gosh. Like the Suzume song in and of itself is beautiful and it's the thing that brought us all to this movie but the music throughout and the emotional impact that it carried was absolutely beautiful the way that they mixed in all of these different you know high organ notes with the low ones but as well as these choirs that they had singing just desperate notes as though to get out a last breath when we were having those last last ditch scenes in the movie i just I can't express how if you took that away, this movie would not carry the impact that it did. And knowing that it was one band, one group that basically did everything for this film, that's kind of unheard of to do everything from both soundtrack that you hear in a main theme all the way down to your little notes that you're having during a conversation. That's absolutely astounding that they did this. And I I hope they get the recognition they deserve for how incredible it was. As much as I want Peaches to get all of the awards, I want Susan <laughs> to be a contender. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be a damn shame if, uh, you know, given the level of attention this, this film is getting in terms of its success and kind of the awareness around it, 
Um, if it doesn't, you know, get any kind of nomination or mention come award season, I think it would be an absolute shame and travesty. So you heard it here first, Academy. Yeah, hopefully when we cover the uh, Crunchyroll Awards next year, we'll be talking about Suzume a lot. Suzume! God, it's just, it was so creepy and so cute, everything about that cat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to express yeah. it. Yeah. Any Anything else we want to gush about in terms of Makoto Shinkai's Susame? All right, so you guys have at least seen one movie by him now. So this brings up the question. In comparison, is Makoto Shinkai's content better than, on par with, or an extension of Miyazaki? That's a loaded question. question. Yeah, that's a loaded question. I saw somewhere, I can't remember exactly where, where someone described him as the new Miyazaki. And that's that's what I lean into. I think it's an extension. He very much is kind of picking up the thread there in terms of like having these coming of age stories with a hint of fantasy and otherworldliness. And I, the influence is certainly there, but I think he's leaving his own, his own mark. And um, yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed, I've, I've seen your name weathering with you and Susume at this point. And I kind of watched them. Uh, Susume was the first one I watched. Then I watched your name and then I watched weathering with you. And the fact that I was able to watch them all in such close proximity, I think just speaks to the, level of quality and level of interest that I had. Yeah, I I think it I want to say extension, but when I really start getting down to it, I'm just going to say on par with because it starts okay. to feel like comparing apples to oranges after a while, mm-hmm. wherein one of the notes that I said at the top is this is taking a very mundane world and flipping on flipping it on its head and showing you the beauty that was always in that world. And I first was exposed to those notes via Miyazaki and all of those Ghibli films because that's what he does so wonderfully. But when I actually boil it down, they're just it's this diverging path of storytelling and this branching tree. And yes, it may go down to the same roots, but I see them going in all of these different directions with everything that they do. And I could if someone were to say, oh, this is, you know, Suzume is my favorite animated film and someone else comes over here and says Howl's Moving Castle, both of those are right answers because you're just, it's your preference to the way that the story is told, the way that it's delivered. So yeah, I think, I do think Miyazaki may have paved the way for us to be okay with this storytelling because it's still very rare to have this serialized world building, but not world building, I guess, where it's like everything is flushed out in one go. You don't make a sequel. This is it. And Mm -hmm. I, I think without Miyazaki, we may be hesitant to that. But it, like you said, Jay Scotty, he's leaving his own impact on the actual industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarity just with the, the concepts and the designs and stuff. So I, I do agree with the note and why it was really important for me to say that extension was one of the options because it seems like this is something that makoto could have like watched and been inspired by and the reason i wanted to bring it up now is because 
I've officially only seen two of each director's movies. Hmm. So there's like an interesting point of comparison right now. But because I know, Scoots, you've seen multiple of both now. I was curious mm-hmm. on like if you notice these similarities, if it was just things that people talk about because there's just not that much exposure to specific directors or like what it is. But I, I think it would have been a crime to like just not bring it up at all. Yeah. I'm going to make another comparison. And again, like Andrew said, this is like comparing apples to oranges, but like, as you were kind of like breaking it down there, it just came to mind to me. I feel like Miyazaki is Spielberg and Shinkai is George Lucas, where George okay. Lucas is kind of yep. famous for saying like the poetry is there. Like this is poetry. It repeats itself and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, themes and tropes in what I've seen from Makoto Shinkai, he it's the motifs are a little bit stronger, but again, he was clearly influenced and inspired by how Miyazaki paved the way. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. You you asked a hard hitting question, but I feel like we, <laughs> I feel like we got to the root of how we all feel. And I think it's the same. There has Mm -hmm. to be at least one listener that was curious about that as well. And if you are that one listener, if you are one of the 200 listeners, if there are more listeners just specifically for this episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Animation Deliberation Podcast at gmail.com. Whether it's your first time or you're a seasoned veteran listening to us, we appreciate you being here. I absolutely love this movie. I'm sad that I can't always watch it in IMAX because... Even when the credits were rolling, my friends were like, you're ready to go. I'm just like, nah, dude, the song's playing. I've listened to the song every day. Every I'm not exaggerating. Every day since I heard it in the trailer. And it is. I pride myself on like watching things with good speakers and stuff, even at home. So that was one of those things. Like You really just had to take it in. It, this is a weird comparison. It's like watching Infinity War and IMAX for the first time. Like You just, you just got to enjoy everything there. Because having that theater experience like it was just so pristine i this is such a wonderful movie and it's not even my favorite one by him (laughs) all right well uh i think that'll about do it for this episode so uh with the call to action for feedback I mentioned it on the last episode we did, but let's get hashtag animation deliberation trending with all the places that you hit us up, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those places. And uh, yeah, please check out PandaVision. It's a part of the Stranded Panda Network where we are currently covering season four, the final season of Barry on HBO. And also check out what's happening over on Multiverse News, the show where we talk about all the things happening in the industry and movie world. Thank you for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay whelmed. And until we have another song to talk about that makes a great movie, Muscle Muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Strand Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>